Apple releases a new security update. Defragging the iPod. What do my Mac Mini predictions look like? It may be coming true. All this and more on MyMac.com podcast number 55. The next generation of radio. It's the MyMac.com podcast. from the MyMac.com studios. It's your hosts, Tim Robertson and Chad Perry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MyMac.com podcast. I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm Chad Perry. And do you have a prediction? I had a prediction. I predicted the uh, Mac Mini would eventually end up in the living room. And uh, we'll get into the more of that later. But it kind of looks mm. like I might be right. Uh, a lot of stuff going on with the MyMac.com website obviously and yep. we'll get into all that as well uh but let's go ahead and jump right into uh, I, I really only saw three things that i really wanted to talk about as far as news news is concerned okay and the first being the apple releases security update uh 009 for 2005 and uh that was released on november 29th and it delivers a number of security enhancements and is recommended for all macintosh users this update includes the following components Apache, blah 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 blah. You don't, you guys don't care about all that stuff. Just to say that there's a security update, and you probably should update. And of course, check out the various Mac websites out there before you do so to make sure that there's nothing harmful going to happen to your system afterwards. Right. You know, and I have been following a little bit on Macintosh mm-hmm. and uh, Mac Fix It, and some people are experiencing some some problems after updating macOS uh, 10.4. What is it, 3 now? And uh, security update 9. And uh, they're none too happy that, you know, things are, they're they're basically getting a screen of death at the beginning. They have to boot up into safe mode, and nobody has seemed to figure out what the problem Mm. is yet, which isn't a good thing. No. But uh, security updates are obviously important. And speaking of security updates, I wanted to go into uh, an email that I got, excuse me, from Jan. Uh, Jan emailed me, Jan Linder. She emailed me at the beginning of the week asking about uh, I Love My Mac. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's obviously the song. Right. Um, she wasn't pledging her undying love for this <laughs> podcast or anything. Because <laughs> she has taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she mentioned that it sounded like uh, the Hey Ricky song from the 1980s. <laughs> and, and I actually have that MP3, which yeah. I don't know what that says about me, but... I have that Hey Ricky song, mm-hmm. and I went and listened to it, and then I listened to I Love My Mac again, at least a little part of it, and I was like, oh, that is kind of reminiscent. So The same sort of genre of music, yeah. yeah. Uh, we do know who actually sang that song now. Do you want to? Mm-hmm. It's Daphne Calfron? Calfon? Yeah, Daphne Calfon, yeah. And um, I found that music at uh, Mac Jams. John Nemirovsky is actually talking to her. Really? And I think we're going to do an article on her. So, it, oh, that'd be fun. That it, it is definitely fun. I, and I saw her picture, mm-hmm. uh, Daphne's picture on a website, and she's quite pretty, tri- quite attractive. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to rag on that song anymore. <laughs> this is yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyways, um, uh, back to Jan. She sends me an, an email with a link to uh, the Mac Developers Center website. Basically talking about, look, the macOS is not secure. There are problems with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her email reads, macOS X is the subject to a Big Mac attack. 
That doesn't mean it's hungry either. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she writes, actually, it just got shoved in my face by my IT guy at work. Uh, in this situation, what is the best thing to say to my fellow workers, nine out of whom have just switched to the Mac as their primary computer? In other words, she's worried, wow, did I have all these people switch? And or all these people are switching because of you know what she's saying, how yeah. great it is, and it's mm-hmm. not... Uh, that it is secure and all that, and uh, the what, local what PC when he steps up and yeah, says, "No, oh, you're not. It's <laughs> not secure. It's all going to burn, baby. It's going to burn." See, see the Mac OS is dangerous too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can I can make fun of IT guys because I, I was I one. Um, and and I and my reply was pretty simple. I said, uh, "Simply keep updating the latest Mac OS X security patches Apple releases about once a month." Uh, while I have seen these stories for years, I have never in all my over 10 years of publishing ever heard of a Mac actually being harmed by any of these warnings. Uh, while the threats are real, so is the possibility of being hit by a bus tomorrow. In other words, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Apple, when they find the security flaws, they're really quick to fix them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought it was quite uh, funny that I get this email from her. The same day, basically, that Mac, well, that's the day after a security update comes out. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes um, th- there's no perfect computer, number one. No. But number two, it's not that big of a scare as there's a reason that these warnings are out there all the time. And that's because companies like Symantec want to sell antivirus software and, and those type of things mm-hmm. to the Macintosh. Right. Just in case. It's kind of like insurance. Mm-hmm. You don't get insurance because you know something's going to happen. You get insurance just in case something happens. Exactly. Uh, and like Chris Rock says, mm-hmm. if nothing happens, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> well, no. It's not like that, no. unfortunately. But, uh, you know, it's okay. You can uh, you can relax. There's probably nothing bad going to happen. Apple updates their system enough that they, they patch these up. And unlike Microsoft, takes forever to get new patches out and... Even and when they do come out, they usually leave new holes. New so. holes, or they don't even address all the ones that were, yeah. you know, were out there to begin with. Uh, go ahead and read our second story, though, yep. Chad. This one, Broadband Tuner 1.0 released. This is from November 28th. Apple today released Broadband Tuner 1.0. The company says the Broadband Tuner allows you to take full advantage of very high-speed internet connections that have a high latency. Of five five megabods or greater, megabods. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Megabits per megabits second. per second. Megabods. Megabods. <laughs> the installer That'd be pretty slow. <laughs> I know. Sorry, flipped out there. The installer tweaks some system parameters. In addition, Apple says the installer increases the default values for the size of the TCP send and receive buffers. With larger buffers, more data can be in transit at once. Uh, startup configuration files also updated so that these changes will persist across restarts. Um, I actually downloaded it, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it doesn't actually install an application because I, I ran the installer, and then mm-hmm. I went looking for this application so I could run it, and that's not what it does. When it runs the installer, it just makes the changes to your system, yeah. and then it quits, uh, which was kind of strange. I, I don't like... It, I understand it's an update, Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I like to have an application that I can actually launch and see what it's going to do, and possibly set some um, of the settings myself. So do that's you know, not performance the changes then, or not? No, not really. And yeah. you know, I, I am on a high speed internet connection, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I didn't really see. I didn't test it either, and I haven't tested going upstream. 
Mm. In other words, sending a file from my computer, say, to an FTP site. Yeah. Uh, I'll do that, obviously, tonight when we're done recording this podcast and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and when we're done with post-production with it and I have to upload it to the MyMac site, I'll see if there's any speed increases. And if there are, I'll mention them next week. But, sure. Um, so far, I, it doesn't seem to have done anything negative to my machine. <laughs> and that's always a good thing. And uh, the last one, I'll let you read that one, too. Apple hiring for Rome Retail Store. Also from November 28th, Apple has announced that it is now hiring for the Apple Retail Store in Rome, Italy in 2006. We are now hiring for our first Apple Store in mainland Europe, set to open in Rome in 2006, notes the site. If you're looking for a rewarding environment in which to build your career using your special skills and talents, and if working for at Apple has always been your dream job, you might just be one of the passionate individuals we're looking for. And all three of those news stories came from MacMinute.com. It might be handy to know Italian as well. I, that's That was my question. <laughs> Living in Rome, working for Apple sounds like a really cool job. And I would personally like to publicly... Uh, invite Apple to request a copy of my resume. <laughs> and my wife and I would be happy, at least for a year, just to see what it's like, yeah. to move to Rome, and I'd be happy to work in the Apple store. I, there's got to be a lot of people that speak English when they go into a store oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Wouldn't it be great to have someone that speaks English, even as badly as I do, working there? <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of people are on vacation. They've got their iPods or their power books. and. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap, it crapped out on them, so they go into the Apple Store, Rome, and, hey, there's Tim Robertson, that that semi-geeky guy from the podcast. And, of course, they know you speak English, so they can come right up to you and say, hey, this crapped out on me, can you fix this crap? And I go, huh? <laughs> I do not know what you were talking about, you stupid American. Get away from me, you're so loud, so obnoxious. It is lunchtime. Um, you know what? That's all the news we're going to get into. There's some other, I think, kind of cool stuff that uh, we're going to talk about, including yeah. the Vive, the new Intel. Uh, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. And a scratchless CD, DVD. Hmm. And uh, I, I do want to talk about a little bit before we uh, jump into a break here. I started using Firefox 1.5 today. It was actually released yesterday. You did? You, you know, switched from Safari? Well, I, I don't want to say I switched. I've got both of them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I tried Firefox in the past, and I found it just, I don't know, um, I, I don't want to say clunky, it just it didn't Not seem intuitive. very intuitive. Yes, no. exactly. And I really, maybe I'm just used to Safari, but at the time Firefox was released, it was pretty close to the same time that uh, Safari was starting to gra- gain traction in the Mac universe. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, I, I kept hearing a lot of good things about Firefox, so I thought, I'm going to give it a try. So I did download it. I noticed that it's a little bit faster on some websites, loading the page. Uh, MyMac.com, for instance, it was much faster. Yeah. Um, but it does weird stuff that I, I'm not used to. For instance, um, if you go up to the MyMac.com site right now, and I'm just giving an example, I have a review posted at the moment from Phone Valet. Right. And there's a picture to the right-hand side of my review that if you click will also take you to that review. And it's just a product shot. And if mm-hmm. you look at this graphic in Safari, it's just the box sitting there floating on the page. Yeah. If you look at this page in Firefox, there's a little black box around it to indicate that oh, it's a link. Yeah. And so every single graphic on our site has a stupid little black box around it. Mm. And that's just super annoying. I yeah. mean, the aesthetics of sites just go to crap when I was using the software, uh, yeah. Firefox, and I didn't really like it. I mean, it's not so bad that it's like, oh, my God, but it's enough to go, why are, Why is it drawing all these stupid... I haven't gone into the preferences to see if I can turn that off or what, mm-hmm. but you would think that 
that would be off by default yeah. because it just destroys the aesthetics of the site. Why, mm-hmm. why would you do that? I don't know. And I think it's kind of crappy, you know, <laughs> but I, I was mostly interested in, in seeing how much faster it would be. I don't have any pop-up window problems at all in Safari. Right. Um, I have my pop-up blocker on in Safari, yep, too. So. And I've never had a pop-up. I've had a couple pop-under windows mm-hmm. that will pop up, but it pops up underneath your website that you're looking at. So when yeah. you close your window, oh, look, there's a gambling site thing flashing at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of annoying. And whatever site I happen to be at at the time, I can't specifically remember one right now, but I remember thinking, if you're going to use that kind of technology, this pop-under crap... I'm mm-hmm. not coming back to your site, and I literally deleted the bookmark. Yeah, it was a Mac site. I do remember that, mm-hmm. but I don't remember which one now because this was a couple months ago, and I just deleted that bookmark. Yeah, don't throw crap at me like that. That just irritates the crap out of me, and that's like crap that I've said now five times. In a well, while. you know, just like anybody else, you hate junk mail, you hate junk windows, and that's yes. what that is—is is junk window. Yeah, <laughs> and I honestly, which marketer thinks that that's really going to work? If we just pop open this window in front of them, they'll have to click it. No, they oh, won't. Oh, boy, I can play party poker online. i got to click on this thing right now. Well, you know, <laughs> I had, uh, and this was a few years ago, an aunt who is now all Macintosh, but at the time she was using a PC, too. Yeah. Um, and that was only because some of the online games that she liked to play was PC only. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, like, EverQuest or something. I'm talking about tic-tac-toe crappy type of word games that gem quest and yeah that would use some links yes yeah that that use some kind of a plug-in that only worked on a windows machine yeah using activex rather than Mm -hmm. um truly a a web application that anybody could use yeah um so she had a pc and she used to get pop-ups all the time and there was some uh, game sites that she would go to that it would literally pop up five or six windows uh, completely obscuring whatever she was trying to look at and she diligently went through and closed all those windows. And a couple of them, if you close them, two more would pop up. Yeah. And uh, she just learned to live with it. She was like, well, doesn't this happen to you? And I was like, well, number no. one, I don't go to those sites. But even if I did, number two, no, I'm on a Macintosh. And I use pop-up blocker, and mm-hmm. it's no problem. Yep. Uh, anyways, um, let's uh, listen to uh, our ad from Small Dog Electronics. Again, they are our sponsor for this podcast. And they're also a sponsor on our website. So the next time you visit MyMac.com, we'd appreciate it if you would click on the Small Dog browser or Small Dog banner in your browser. Um, and we do uh, we do appreciate that. Email, this is Apple Airport Express. You're cleared for wireless takeoff from the living room. Internet, this is Apple Airport Express. You're cleared for landing in the kitchen. iTunes, this is Apple Airport Express. You're coming in nice and easy on our wireless runway. Apple Airport Express from Small Dog Electronics. Wireless networking anywhere you are. Browse, email, print, even listen to music. Wireless. Go wireless now with a 12-inch iBook, Airport Express, and carry case for eleven forty nine. Small Dog Electronics in Waitsfield and on the web at smalldog.com. Small Dog is wireless. Anticipation is already building towards this year's Mac Expo. Strong rumors persist that the first Intel-based Macs will make an early appearance at this year's show. Not Mac News can confirm the rumors and can also reveal that the first Mac receiving the makeover will be the eMac. When queried about the decision, Apple execs said the machine just didn't have anything else going for it. The holiday shopping season is upon us, and Not Mac News was afforded the rare opportunity 
to tour Apple headquarters. The iPod division was positively buzzing. Take a listen. On the Mac side, things were a bit quieter. Ah well, the upcoming eMac should save the day. Exclusively for the MyMac.com podcast, I'm not quite dead yet. Any software I use is always so reliable, and I can find almost anything. Forums, chat rooms, message boards, and new scripts are commendable. It's all there for me. You're listening to the Dashboard Minute, exclusively on the MyMac.com Hi everyone, I'm Guy Searle, and welcome again to the Dashboard Minute. This is going to be kind of a retro show, as I'm going to talk about one nicely updated widget, one new widget with features I discussed that another widget has, but with easier controls, a handy tip for dealing with widgets, and also some of the best places to find them. Sorry, no outtakes this week, maybe next time. Let's start with Dashboard Sites. There is, of course, the old reliable standby Apple's Dashboard site. Most of the newest widgets can be found there. It's easy to navigate and an excellent source. It's not the only place to look at, however. MacUpdate.com has added a Dashboard widget search into their already great website. Select OSX and then the Dashboard category for pages and pages of the latest widgets. VersionTracker.com has a similar widget search feature, and both of these sites are a good place to go when looking for updates to your already installed widgets. Other sites include the DashboardWidgets.com site, DashboardExchange.com, and WidgetTracker.com. There are many others available, just not listed on the major sites. Do a Google search for Dashboard Widgets, and soon you'll be inundated with them. Here's a handy Dashboard tip. If you regularly use widgets, you've probably found that the only way to turn them off besides Apple's Widget Manager is to click on the plus sign at the bottom of the screen to open the widget dock and then the close X's that appear for each widget open. Kinda clunky, but it does what it's supposed to. Here's another way to do it without opening the dashboard dock. Hold down the Option key, and when your cursor runs over any open widget, the close X appears. Thanks to OSXHints.com for this handy tip. Alright, let's finally talk about some widgets. I talked some time ago about the Worldview widget and how it gives you features from all the different countries around the world. Well, it's back and improved. The interface is cleaned up a bit, and some added historical details from each country has now been placed in, on the front of the widget via the press of a button. If you enjoyed the first version of this widget, you'll like this one even better. Find it at Apple's Dashboard Download site and at Longfingers, L-O-N-G-F-I-N-G-E-R-S dot com. Also, on one of the previous shows, I mentioned the Capture widget for screen captures. If you like that one, you'll love the Screenshot Plus widget from Stephen... Uh, how do you say this? Chiatoff. It has a cleaner interface and, best of all, a preview feature that lets you see exactly what you're capturing before you commit it to your hard drive. This one is a keeper, folks. Find Screenshot Plus at Apple's dashboard download site. It has my highest recommendation. 
Well, I think I've done enough damage for one week. If you have any questions or comments about the Dashboard Minute, or maybe there's a widget you'd like or have made that I haven't covered yet, if so, send me email to dbminute at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and be here again next week, right here on the Dashboard Minute on the MyMac.com podcast. And obviously, thank you very much to Small Dog Electronics. Chris Seabold. And Guy Searle. And Daphne as Daphne, well. Daphne, I played that song again. <laughs> uh, we had a, quite a few listeners that actually liked it. Yeah. And uh, including the aforementioned listener. Yep. Uh, what was her name again? Oh, yeah. Jen. Jen, yes, Jen. Jen like No, Jan. Jan. Jan, Jan liked it. it. Yep. Um, anyways, back to uh, what we were talking about earlier, and that is the my, my Mac or my my Mac, well my my Mac dot com prediction about the Mac Mini. Right. Uh, basically, what's going on is there's a lot of rumors flying that the Mac Mini will be rechristened a DVR running front row, Apple's new front row software mm-hmm. 2.0 version, and that it will act as a DVR for your entertainment system. It will also have an iPod dock, and. Uh, I don't know what to think of that. Um, obviously, that's kind of what I was saying quite a while ago. In fact, yeah. when the Mac Mini first came out a year ago, mm-hmm. almost a year ago anyways, um, that this is the form factor, the size, um, its capabilities really lends itself well to a living room right. environment. Uh, to that end, I have a Mac Mini now sitting in my living room connected to my system mm-hmm. and it works fine hmm. uh, i found um well let's go let's keep on where, what we're talking about first and i'll okay. go on what i did uh intel's vive initiative is getting some big press lately uh tivo has jumped on board with intel's newest uh, multimedia chipset um and a lot of people are saying this chipset is probably going to be in the mac mini as well mm. hence basically what the vibe is it's, it's a collection of chips that Intel is using to really drive the newer technology as far as multimedia, yeah. i.e. in your living room, mm-hmm. um, movies, music, pictures, that sort of thing. Right. It's, it's kind of bringing the uh, Microsoft media type of experience into the living room, which you can already do with a media PC, mm-hmm. but with Intel's, these chips, it's, it's really geared towards that type of information, that content delivery, if you will. Yeah. And if that's going to be in the Mac Mini, obviously the Mac Mini, you know, you can already burn a DVD on a Mac Mini with mm-hmm. a SuperDrive. Um, I all you really have to do is add in the ability to bring a video signal into the Mac Mini. Yep. How difficult would that be? I don't think very. Uh, a lot of people are saying at this point they're going to have to add a larger hard drive, probably the three and a half inch drive instead of the two and a half inch drive right. that they're using now, um, because they're, they're going to want it to be faster for video content. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, um, I've used the, a slower notebook hard drive to record a video before. There's there's no problem. Mm-mm. I don't see why people are making a big deal of that. I mean, yeah, it's only 5,400 RPM. That's 5,400 <coughs> revolutions per minute. Yeah, that It's not like it's slow, slow. Yeah. It's not a 10,000 RPM drive. It's not even a 7,800 RPM or 7,200 RPM. But I think RPM. the issue you're, we're, we're making is that it doesn't need to be. Because it doesn't need you to don't be. See the, that, there's that perform, or you don't see any performance loss well you know what i've got a dvr at home yeah uh it's got i think 80 gig hard drive in it mm-hmm. and uh i don't have the specs on it because obviously they don't release it. it's a motorola 
mm-hmm. uh, high definition uh, receiver as well as the DVR. It works great. I love it, but I, I'm quite sure that that's. I doubt if that's a 7200 RPM. You know, they probably yeah. put the cheapest hard drives they can get into those because sure. they're not making any money off of them. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't think that it's necessarily a given that Apple has to increase the hard drive speed in a Mac Mini to make it into a true DVR. I just I don't think that's that big of a deal. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I don't think it is either. I mean, I don't see a need for them to go to anything faster unless unless there really is a performance difference, but I don't think there's going to be. I don't think so either. Uh, now, let's back up and talk about what I was, what I started talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as long-term listeners know, Chad and I also do a video program called uh, Mac Mod. Yep. And one of the things that we wanted to do initially with the Mac, the next Mac Mod video was to make some kind of an um, end table or coffee table type Macintosh. and. Mm-hmm. The more we got into it, uh, the more it just seemed like, uh, this this isn't that good of a good idea. Yeah. It's just kind of, yeah, we could do it, and it probably wouldn't be that difficult, but it just wasn't all that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we got the Mac Mini and the monitor from TechServe. So right. if you guys are in New York and you're looking for a place to have your Mac repaired, buy new Mac gear or iPod gear, check out TechServe in Manhattan or go to TechServe.com. Mm-hmm. Um and the next idea we got is taking like a Color Classic or a Macintosh Plus. It's one of those little beige all-in-one boxes. It kind of looks like the original Macintosh, just yeah. slightly bigger. Um, I don't even know if it's slightly bigger, to be honest. I'd have to compare. No, I I've think got, they're almost the same size yeah, as the original Macs. I think Macs. they are. I've got two original Macs, so I should compare them just to yeah. um, check that out. I'm kind of curious now if they are any larger or smaller. Um, anyways, taking one of those, completely gutting it, putting a 10.4-inch LCD flat panel screen in there mm-hmm. so it would actually fit the opening right? and putting the Mac Mini in there, and thus you'd have an all-in-one computer that's a Mac Mini. We haven't been able to locate a affordable LCD 10.4-inch yes. uh, screen. Is, which is super VGA capable. Yeah, or, I, I've yeah. got one. Uh, <clears throat> it's from an old IBM laptop. But I don't know how to get power to it, and I don't know how to get a video signal to it. Yeah. So I, we're kind of at a standstill with that. If there's anybody out there listening that goes, oh, I, I know how to do that, mm-hmm. send us an email at uh, tim at mymac.com or mymac.com or mymacpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have a solution. Yep. So that, that was our second idea, and since it didn't seem like that was really panning out, we had to come up with a third idea. And our third idea is... was kind of turning the Mac Mini into yeah, uh, a multimedia center, center machine. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of a slow weekend. You know, it was the weekend after a holiday here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the family was pretty lethargic after having a big turkey dinner. Unfortunately, yeah. um, right after we recorded this podcast, you remember I was talking about the podcast before that, that I didn't feel good and most right. people couldn't tell the difference. And I felt great during the last podcast. Got mm. home about 2 in the morning that night. I got really sick. Mm. Completely missed Thanksgiving. Didn't get my turkey. Didn't get my stuffing. I wasn't a happy camper. I, I told Julie, my wife, to still take the kids to the grandparents mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, still have a good Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll stay at home by myself. Because, you know, if you don't feel good, you know, Thanksgiving. Right. You, and I didn't want to be around the rest of the family being sick. Right. Because it had already been through your family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it only lasted 24 hours, and I felt fine after that. Yeah. And uh, so that weekend, I was kind of had a little extra energy because I didn't eat no turkey. I wasn't mm-hmm. lethargic like the rest of them. <laughs> so I, I kind of had a little extra time on my hands. So I took the Mac Mini, 
And I thought, you know what, I'm going to hook this up to the, the television, the, the stereo mm-hmm. system, and I'm going to see how it works. The first thing I did, uh, obviously, is put front row on that. <laughs> right. Because it, it just magically got on there by itself, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, no, I have I no imagine idea. So. Yeah. Yeah. Probably came standard install. The DVD player does not work on the Mac Mini using front row. So to, to uh, yeah, well, you know, this front row was supposed to be for, for a iMac. Mac, yeah. So I'm not really surprised that all the functionality isn't working correctly 100. Uh, percent And it also there's a uh, update to front row came out front row 1.01 or something, hmm. and it didn't. It it knows that that's not a iMac, and so it wouldn't update the copy of front yeah. row on that machine. So what are you gonna do? Uh, and I don't think it actually updates it. I think it completely replaces it. That's kind of mm. the size is lends itself to that theory. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I have front row on the on the Mac Mini, and I want to hook it up to the system there in the front room. And we can, by the way, redo this whole thing and use and call it a not necessarily Mac mod, but we can at least videotape it and show how it's done. Right. Uh, I have a lot of video game systems, as we've also talked mm-hmm. about on the show, and I and I use a switcher. Uh, a little box to switch between the video signals between the PlayStation to the Xbox. Not an Xbox 360. I'm not buying one of those anytime soon. Yeah. Um, not not just because I can't afford it, because there's this really... Ooh, that's Pardon a weird-sounding sneeze. No, it's just a press sneeze. Yeah. It, there's just not really that many games out for it yet that's worth me investing 400 bucks in a game machine that just I'm just kind of underwhelmed by the games that are out there. Right. And the GameCube. So I have these three video game systems, and I wanted to be able to switch them uh, on the fly, which, mm-hmm. whichever system. I, I do have a real nice Ankyo receiver that has a, just a ton of... Um, it's a THX receiver. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. I want to be able to decode THX signal. Best noise that you can get out of your stereo, basically. Right. Um, some people will disagree, but that's neither here nor there. So I could have routed everything, and I had enough video inputs. Um but I didn't really want to do that because I have other items that I hook up through it as well. Mm-hmm. I'm an AV nut, just like I'm a Mac nut. So, right. Uh, so I had the switch box, and I had, and it has four inputs. So I had one input ex, ex, uh, open. So I, on the back of the Mac Mini is obviously the what is the HDMI plug. Mm-hmm. So I, I hooked that up. That doesn't do any good hooking up to a TV or anything like that. So I bought. I think I no, I, it might have actually came with it. I'm not sure. No, I had to buy it from Apple. It basically takes that and turns it into a VGA, or not not a VGA, a um, RCA video output, mm-hmm. as well as uh, I think VGA. Hmm. I, it's not here in front of me, so I'm I'm kind of guessing guessing at that. Yeah. But it does have you go from the Mac Mini, you plug in this adapter, and you can go to a regular video out. And that's what I did, and I went right into the box, and then right. I took a mini jack to RCA right and left, mm-hmm. audio out into the stereo. Hooked everything up, and everything just works great. So I can get this, the Mac Mini to display on my high-def television. It looks like crap, by the way. And I tried <laughs> different resolutions. It just doesn't look very good. Yeah, It, it would probably look better if my HDTV had uh, an HDMI input it doesn't right. it's it's like the second generation of hd boxes mm-hmm. and it doesn't have that switch which i'm not pleased about but there's nothing i can do about it right um and i don't know of any adapter that i can hook up the mac mini to make it component so i can hook it up like mm-hmm. a regular high def signal right so it just doesn't look the greatest as far as looking at a website or 
browsing the internet or looking even at my desktop. It looks kind of not quite fuzzy. It just it just doesn't not look not very crisp. Good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> but that's not really what I hooked it up for. I didn't want to browse the internet while I'm sitting there. I wanted to watch video or play music. Mm-hmm. And I can do both. Now, uh, one of the things that I wanted to try to do, I downloaded a whole bunch of uh, the videos from Clerks 2, the production mm-hmm. diaries, uh, clerks2.com. Yeah. I, I am a Kevin Smith fan, so yep. I, I wanted to watch these. And I have watched most of them already on my laptop. But I had a whole bunch of them that I hadn't downloaded or that I hadn't uh watched yet so i put those on the mac mini over my network mm-hmm. now i should say the mac mini is hooked up to my network because it has a wireless card in it right it also has a bluetooth adapter in it so i can use a, a, a wireless bluetooth uh keyboard and mouse which i don't have yet so that's mm-hmm. the one missing component of, of really finishing this um so i put those videos on there and i watched those videos on my television that's playing on the mac mini and it looked great it really did I also used the front row to go to the videos, trailers, mm-hmm. and I watched the trailers streaming over the over my wireless internet connection on the Mac Mini and watching them on my television, and they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, wow, that looks really good. I was expecting it to look kind of blurry and crappy-ish like the desktop looks, but it didn't. It looked great. Really? So I can literally sit on my couch now, all but with a corded keyboard, which, right. ugh, but I can sit there on my couch watching trailers off the internet via front row and and that's kind of neat that is cool and uh so that's what i did with the mac mini mm-hmm. i think it might be um i think it might be pretty cool to, to actually come over have you come over to the house uh break out the canon video camera and film how it's hooked up mm-hmm. and what it looks like i think you know people yeah. may be interested if you guys are interested sure. in seeing that let us know and uh We'd be happy to record that and, and show you guys how it looks. And mm-hmm. If the rumors are true, every, all this is kind of... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a moot point <laughs> it's now. It's a moot but... point. Well, yeah, it, it may be. Right. But um, I'm, here, here's the thing, though. There's a lot of people with a Mac Mini out there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the new ones may or may not be a DVR with Front Row 2.0 and all that jazz. But, you know, if you've got an existing one and you want to do the same thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. What I I also have the USB clicker from Griffin Technologies hmm. that they sent for a review that I haven't reviewed yet. Um, but they did send it unsolicited, so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel compelled to review yeah. it. Um, in fact, every, every single time uh, Griffin releases a new object, or object, a product, product, and I get an email about it, hey, we're releasing a new... Um, iMic today, or mm. I'm, yeah, iMic. Uh, the same day I get it, UPS. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, yeah, I just got done reading about that. That's kind of cool. Um, what did I, I just got something from them today, and I can't remember what it was. And, and it was the same case that I just read about it, and mm. then boom, there it is. I, I can't tell you what it was now. Huh. But, anyways, uh, I have this USB remote, and it just plugs into the back of your computer, and it uses inf- or, uh, RF technology and and they kind of say you know you can use it with your itunes library mm-hmm. or like a powerpoint presentation and you can use it left right mm-hmm. back and all that kind of, i'm wondering if i can get that to work with front row wouldn't that be cool to have an actual remote yeah in my hand to control front row that would be neat and if i can get front row to actually work 100 percent of the time with the mac mini that would be great mm-hmm. but here's something i noticed um and I don't know if it does it with an iMac or not, because I don't have a newer generation right. iMac to test it with. 
But if, if I launch iTunes anywhere in my house, as long as my G5 is running, which is where iTunes resides, resides. that's where all my music is, you know, yeah. my 8,000 songs are sitting on the G5 mm-hmm. on hard drive, <coughs> excuse me, if that's running, and obviously iTunes has to be launched on that machine, which it almost always is, because when I start it up in the morning and the, the iPods are plugged in, boom, boom. iTunes yeah. launches automatically. I just doesn't, I just don't quit it. I mean, yeah. that machine's got four gigs of RAM in it. I don't need to mm-hmm. quit applications. And so I just leave it running. So wherever I'm at in the house, if I'm on my laptop and I go to, and I launch my iTunes, I can see my shared iTunes library wherever I'm at. So I can stream mm-hmm. my music to me no matter where I'm at, yeah. which is great. And I can do it with the Mac Mini, too, if I'm on the Mac Mini in the living room, which is you know all five feet away from where the G5 <laughs> is. But regardless, if I'm sitting there wirelessly and I launch iTunes on the Mac Mini and I can see it on my television, even though it looks kind of crappy, um, I, can, I can control my music from there, too. But right. if I go into Front Row, Front Row does not show me that shared music. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's a problem with front row again or it's just not designed to do that because this is you know version 1.0 yeah um but i thought that was kind of annoying i mean if i have a obviously it's used to control the music that's on that computer but apple's whole thing with itunes now is you know you can share it with no matter where you're at well how then why am i not seeing a shared itunes library in front row on another machine doesn't make a lot of sense right so i thought that was kind of a shortcoming that i was like hmm but once again, it is the first version of Front Row, and, and I'm and I'm technically illegally using it on a machine that I'm not supposed to be using it on right. because it it's not made for the Mac Mini; it's made for the new iPod mm-hmm. or iMac. So uh, I just thought that was kind of fun to do, and you know, if if the listeners are interested, I, I think me describing it won't come across as well as watching a video. Yeah, of it. we probably need to go over and capture that. Yeah. And we've got. And, and speaking of video, Chad and I are planning on doing very, very quickly some video reviews. Yep. Uh, we're going to get back into that. Uh, some things just lend themselves better to video mm-hmm. than audio. And the two first two products that we're going to look at are our speakers for the iPod. And I think it's it would be nice. And these are two products that you're not going to see everywhere else. Mm-hmm. In fact, these are products that I haven't seen anywhere else uh, mentioned. Or if they're even mentioned, mm-hmm. it's just a press release that this is out there. But nobody else that I know of has got their hands on these two products. Hmm. I have them. Yeah. Both these companies sent me these early. So they're ready to be reviewed. I've already tested, and I'm pretty impressed with both of them. But I think a video review for these two products will really come across better than just you and I talking about it and, right. and trying to describe it here on the podcast. Um, and obviously it would work just as well as a written review and I might do that as well, but I think a video review of these two products would probably work a little bit better mm-hmm. and we can have some fun with, uh, with, with the whole video thing. Griffin sent me all these products, half of which I haven't even opened the package yet because I'm inundated with, with uh, product review mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe it'd be fun just to do a video showing these products that I just got in the mail, you know, yeah, probably and here's the new one of this. I don't know if it works yet, but you, you can see it. Yeah. I mean, we can actually open the box, and we did that here on the podcast with Extreme Mac, but yeah. I think that might work even better with a, a video. Much better with a video. Go ahead. Uh, let's jump into the other thing we'd be talking about today, which is working on defragging the iPod. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. That's kind of going to be our focus segment. Ah. So let's save that for a few minutes. I did want to talk about a problem I'm having with my PowerBook. Really? And the trackpad. 
Now this is a really strange problem and I'm hoping somebody out there that's listening will be able to help. What's going on is occasionally uh, I'm using my my trackpad obviously because I, I, I actually use the power book in my lap most of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole lot easier to use a trackpad than have a mouse corded off of it over on the table or you know wherever. And uh, and I'm actually very used to using a trackpad. Mm-hmm. So here, it's, this is really a strange problem. It really is. I I, I always set my cursor to the fastest. Right. You know what I mean? The, the yeah, quickest the movement. Response, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm used to that, so I can control it very accurately at those high speeds. But what's happening is I'm sitting there using the trackpad, and then all of a sudden it just starts going nuts. It's like it has a mind of its own. Hmm. It won't go where I want it to go. Let's say I'm on a web page, and I'm scrolling down. Mm-hmm. So I take my cursor, and I go over to the corner to you know to go down, yeah. and boom, it jumps up to the right-hand corner. Or boom, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll go to the left. And it will not go where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. And it doesn't do it all the time. In fact, it's pretty rare when it's doing it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a reboot helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Sometimes just putting it to sleep and letting it sit there for a while helps. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's not... At first I thought, well, you know, maybe I've been using the computer too long. It's getting warm, and this is just a weird glitch. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it still happens even after it's been asleep for a while. Hmm. A couple hours I go in there and I turn it on, and, and it doesn't. And I can't figure out why. Uh, I'll give you another prime example. Um, say I've got an open window. Yeah. Um, I don't know, a Word document or simple text or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I quit it, and it says, do you want to save changes? So I want to go up there and click don't save. Uh-huh. It won't let me go. As soon as I get up to, I put my cursor over that button, and I go to click it, it jumps over to the left again, or it jumps to the right, or it jumps up, or it jumps down. Hmm. It will not stay still. I'm like, just hold still. Hmm. And it never lands, of course, where I want it to. Right. I don't know what the problem is. I Honestly, I haven't really researched it much because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to bitch about it here on the podcast first. <laughs> but oh, it's annoying. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And uh, and I'll turn to my wife and go, oh, it's acting glitchy again. Mm-hmm. But it, And this really developed about a month ago. Never, never had a problem with this. About a month ago, this hmm. problem kind of cropped up and I, to be honest I'm getting a little ticked off about the whole thing at this point because it's happening more and more and I'm like Ugh. it just it's, you thought about turning down the responsiveness of the trackpad or not no you know I haven't I, and I don't really want to because I don't want the trackpad to move slowly right when it's working right mm-hmm. and honestly it works right most of the time it, it was happening about once every four or five days when it first started now it's mm-hmm. happening like not quite once a day, but probably once every day and a half. Mm. And uh, it, it's it's annoying to the point where it's starting to really bug me. <laughs> yeah. Usually I can live with little glitches that develop mm-hmm. over time. But, you know, this isn't like a really old power book either. This right. is a 1 gigahertz uh, aluminum G4. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, who makes that? Um, While well, I'm thinking of that, uh, it's just right for me. Um, can you tell what's in my head here? Yeah, I can. Like I uh, said, whenever you play that thing, it plants an earworm. I cannot earworm. think of who makes it, though. Anyway, somebody made a uh, processor upgrade for it, uh, taking it to 1.9 megahertz or gigahertz. Was it Sonnet? It might have been Sonnet. Sounds and, like uh, Yeah. And I, 
I contacted them. I, I got the press release in the email, and I emailed them back and said, hey, we'd like to review this. I've got a 1 gigahertz. And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. And then I didn't hear from them. Like three days later, I get this email, something about uh, it's kind of beta testing now, mm. but it'll be cheaper if I want to do it at this point. And I'm like, well, I'm talking about reviewing it. I'm not talking about buying it. So yeah. I don't know where that stands. I'm hoping that that was kind of a blanket email that he sent out to everybody mm-hmm. who responded with showing interest in this. Yeah. Um, one thing that I went back and reread the press release, and it's actually you have to send them your power book. And oh. it's a very quick turnaround. They'll send you the shipping They'll install box. it for you. You put it yeah. in there, ship it, they install it, and so it's like a three-day turnaround. And, uh, and I can live without my power book for three or four days. Yeah. But and- that means I have to back everything up off of it. Make sure everything's good and good to go, and it's just it's kind of annoying. I don't really want to have to send in my power book, but by the same token, the, a power book is something that I really don't want to have to take apart. Unless well, I'm plus being if they've to. seen our first Mac mod, they know how we take apart power <laughs> books and iBooks. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like oh, Robertson, the no. guy that did the Mac. No. Oh no, send that to us. We'll send that it. to us. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: most of the time, when you do a hardware product review, unless it's a, it's if it's under a couple hundred bucks. Um, most companies say, I just keep it. We don't care about right. that. Uh, which, by the way, I have way too many products that fall into that category, and mm. my collection of junk is starting to build up. I need yeah. to start getting rid of more stuff. Um, hence, that's why Chad started doing some reviews. <laughs> now, Chad, here's something. I, you, you review it. Um, with a processor upgrade, if they would want me to uh, return it, that means I would have to send my PowerBook back to them and then have them reinstall your old one gig chip. Yeah, and I'm not. Have it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not really comfortable with that. Yeah, and I'm not willing to, uh, even at a discount, I'm not willing to upgrade the PowerBook. Mm-hmm. You know, if they came back and said, "Oh, you can do it for two hundred bucks and you keep it," nah, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to review it, but I'm not willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I wanted to do it for my own personal use, that's totally different. But for a product review, I'm not paying for something. To do a product review of it, plain right. and simple, um, because I, honestly, I think it, it skews a reviewer's judgment somewhat mm-hmm. when you actually pay for something and review it, rather than because then you made an, a conscious choice. I'm going to spend this much money for it, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't live up to your hundred percent expectations, I think it skews your your unbiased judgment at mm-hmm. that point. So I don't pay for anything that I'm going to review, right. plain and simple. I'm happy to send stuff back as long as they provide return shipping. I'm not going to pay to ship something back. Yeah. But by the same token, I'm not going to pay to have something shipped to me so I can review their product. Because a a, a product review for a company uh, is worth a lot of money mm-hmm. in PR because, um, especially if you're in a well-established site like we are. I mean, we've been doing mm-hmm. this for almost 11 years now. Uh, next year will be our 11th anniversary. So when you re- read a review at mymac.com, and it's a and it's and it's a positive review for them, that's a lot of good PR for them. Yeah. But let's get into this. Uh, and we've talked about it a couple times now. We've uh, skirted around it. Um, the iPod, and it's defragging the iPod. So what did you use to defrag it? Well, let's let's back up and let's talk about what defragging is real quickly. Okay. Uh, what happens is, as you move, uh, I should say, as you add and remove files from your computer, and i.e., that means your hard drive, um, large files take up a lot of space, smaller files take up smaller amounts of space. Mm-hmm. When you start taking those files off 
and replacing with other files, what happens is the computer will find the nearest segment of that hard drive and put the information in. And if it doesn't all fit in that spot, it'll put a little bit, let's, I'm just going to use real generic terms. Mm -hmm. um, your, your hard drive isn't completely filled up, but it has space A through F open. Mm -hmm. And it has a program or a file or whatever it is, and it wants to put it on that hard drive. So it fits as much as it can between A and F, and then it takes the rest of it and puts it, say, over here in uh, X and Y yeah. segment of the hard drive. And so that's called fragmentation, where mm -hmm. the files that should be going together, say, all your MP3 files, all your DOC files, all your whatever it is, mm -hmm. all your system folder stuff, should all be in the same segment um, of your hard drive. Well, over time, as you add and remove files, it becomes more and more fragmented, mm -hmm. like files um, and logically in order on the hard drive no longer stays that way. Yep. Well, imagine now a, uh, a little hard drive inside of an iPod. Well, what do you do? You constantly change your music, your the podcast that you're listening to, yep. or that sort of thing, on your iPod. You're constantly taking music off, putting music back mm -hmm. on. And so a hard drive and an iPod, for the most part, is probably going to get a lot more fragmented than a regular hard drive and a computer will right. um, in a shorter amount of time. So uh, today I was updating my Disc Warrior CD up mm -hmm. to uh, 3.03. And I thought, well, you know what? My iPod has been acting quite squirrely lately. In fact, it's froze up on me three or four times now over mm -hmm. the last month. And if and if you own an iPod and you've never had your iPod freeze up, let me explain what that means. It won't turn on. Nothing will happen. You, you At first you're like, oh, I'm pushing the play button. Nothing's happening. The screen isn't coming mm -hmm. on. Nothing. Maybe the battery's dead. So you plug it into your, your uh, computer, and uh, you wait for a little bit, and it should be charged now, and mm -hmm. it still doesn't come on. In fact, when you put it on the dock, or you plug it in your computer, it doesn't turn on then either. It doesn't show up on your desktop. Mm. And you're thinking, oh, crap, my iPod is dead. Right. What do I do? Chances are your iPod isn't dead. Uh, remember, the iPod is nothing but a little computer, and... Uh, Sometimes it crashes. Mm -hmm. And the way to uncrash your iPod is hold down the menu and the select key for a few minutes. Not actual minutes, but, you know, like yeah. 30 seconds. And it will actually hard restart your iPod. Mm -hmm. That will bring you right back to where you were. Although if you're right in the middle of listening to a song, it won't remember. Because it's basically like turning it all the way off and then and turning, turning it all the way, way back, back on. on. Yeah. And that usually corrects the problem on most iPods when it freezes <clears> up. And it usually corrects mine, too. But this has been happening more and more lately, so I thought, I'm going to run Disk Warrior on my iPod hmm. and see just how fragmented uh, my iPod is. So I ran it, and I did the graph, and the graph allows you to see the fragmentation yeah. before you actually try to fix it or anything. And it said it was 57% fragmented. Wow. That's quite a bit. Um, in contrast, I think it's been well over a year and a half since I defragmented my G5, which I use every single day, mm -hmm. that had about 20% fragmentation on it. To me, 20% is a lot. That means I need to defrag my G5. So well, and I think also in contrast, you look at the first time I got Disk Warrior, I defragged my G4, which I'd had for three years, and I think I was 37% fragmented after three years of use. So Yeah, so 54 or 57% for my iPod, and this is a fourth generation iPod. How long have we had these now? Maybe... Four months? Yeah. About four months. Four months. Four months, 57, that's almost 60% fragmentation. That's pretty bad. Yeah. And I have noticed it, 
over the last couple, well, maybe month or so, um, going from menu to menu to go down, say I want to sort by artist and I want to go down to this artist, it's taking mm-hmm. longer to select stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, maybe if I defragmented it, maybe it'll speed it up, maybe it'll solve some of these problems I've been having. Mm-hmm. So I ran the defragmenter, and, and basically it puts everything back in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I got to say, my iPod is uh, noticeably faster switching really? songs. Yeah, much, mm-hmm. much faster, especially on random play. On random play, it there used to be a pause. Um, let's say I want to skip ahead three songs. There would be a noticeable pause before it started playing the next song, mm-hmm. more so than it did when I first got it. That's gone. It's much faster now. So defragmenting my iPod, I don't know long-term that's going to help the crashing problem that I've been experiencing, mm-hmm. but it has sped up the responsiveness of switching tracks and... Um, going menu to menu and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's noticeably faster. So if you don't have a copy of Elsoft's Disc Warrior and you are having problems with your iPod, this may be the way to go. Mm-hmm. If you already have Disc Warrior, obviously you want to... up. Well, if you're running uh, Mac OS Tiger, you need to have um, Disc Warrior 3.03. You're looking for yours right now? Yep. Yeah, I bet you've got... Uh, 3.02, I, I would imagine. Yeah, I think it is. I yeah. got this last year. So. Yeah, so it's probably, the, yeah, what you're going to need to do is uh, go to Allsoft's <laughs> website, mm-hmm. download the 10.03 CD updater. Mm-hmm. What it'll do is it'll make sure, number one, that you've got uh, that CD. Right. It'll, ask, it'll actually ask you to insert that CD, the original mm-hmm. CD. So you put that CD in, it'll make a copy of that CD, a disk image. Mm-hmm. Then it'll actually update that disk image. And at that point, it'll kick that CD out, and it'll say, please insert a blank CDR. It'll just burn you a new one. And it'll burn you a new one. Cool. And you can actually boot your Mac from that CD. Mm-hmm. Um, disk Warrior, you can't really do anything with your internal hard drive if you're running from that internal hard drive. Disk Warrior basically needs to start up from an external disk to yep. be able to do anything on your Mac OS. Yep. Uh, I've got a couple different hard drives slaved onto the G5, so it can work on those, but it can't work on the same disk that it's a part of. Mm-hmm. So you definitely need to create a new disk. In fact, you are running Tiger. That disk wouldn't be able to help you. You need yeah. to update it. So um, so that's this kind of thing that I found with, uh, with, with the iPod fragmentation problem, and it, it seems to have worked. So That's a cool idea. You know, I would have never actually thought about using that to... Uh defrag an iPod. I, and I, I, it didn't even occur to me either, other than the fact that I knew I needed to upgrade uh, Disk Warrior, which to me is one of the most handy. Oh, it's app. a great program. I love that it's utility. Slick. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's about, what, 100 bucks, 99 bucks, something like that? Yeah. It's not too expensive, and it really can save your butt yeah. in, a, in a system crash, but you want to make sure you have the latest and greatest version of it, mm-hmm. and that is th- uh, 3.03. 3.03. Yeah, and especially if you're using Tiger, because 3.02 and earlier aren't compatible. Right. So before too long, you really, Chad, you're really going to want to upgrade that just in case something does happen. Of course, I'm only four blocks away, and, boom, and I've got a copy, and I can come over. Yeah, but still, I, should, it, yeah. I, I would like to have it here on Absolutely. at my house. Um, and and always, uh, if you guys are thinking about upgrading uh, that or you're looking to run that on your computer, make sure you make a backup before you do anything like that mm-hmm. uh, because I've personally never had a problem with Disc Warrior damaging anything, but 
this does move stuff around on your hard drive. There's always a chance your power can go out right in the middle of a defrag, and mm-hmm. you're going to lose a whole hard drive. So if you don't have a backup, you're going to be SOL. So and that goes even, for anything. You know, even if you read the DiscWire manual, they basically say once it actually gets the image created, they tell you to make sure you thumb through it and everything is in the right place. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Apple even advises you before you run, for instance, the newest security update, uh, 2005, the, the ninth mm-hmm. one now, to make sure you have all your important information backed up before you run it. So uh, if you're not doing backup yet, you really, really ought to get onto that. Yep. Um, and most people, I think, probably, it, it's it's easier if you have an external hard drive, say a FireWire hard drive, and back mm-hmm. up to that. But a lot of people are still backing up to CD or even blank DVDs. And uh, this is kind of neat. I saw this on the, uh, I think Gizmodo had it today. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's from Scratchless <laughs> Disk LLC. It's Scratchless Disk Dot com, and they have a new product that, as the name suggests, offers CDs and DVDs that are resistant to scratching. They use 20 small bumps on the bottom of the disc to keep them from rubbing against other objects. So in other words, if you take a disc and you put it on your desktop, it's not going to rub the actual disc. Yeah. And they also put, I think they said an extra layer of polymer on there hmm. to keep it from scratching. I think that's a good idea. I, yeah, it is. I don't know if it really works or not. I don't. I, I haven't actually had one, but I, I read that, and I went, I'd kind of like to see that in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we leave here, let's uh, update everybody up on the latest and greatest up yep. at the MyMac.com website. Oh, by the way, um, this is Podcast 55. Chad and I will be back for Podcast 57. So what's going on with Podcast 56? 56 has fallen to a black hole. <laughs> <laughs> Called England. <laughs> Hey, that's hey, not fair. No. I love England. Um, no, David Cohen is going to uh, be doing a podcast. Yep. And rather than a separate podcast, his podcast coming out this week, in fact, it may, for us, it'll be tomorrow mm-hmm. that we probably release this. And uh, it's either going to be Thursday or Friday that the general public can actually download it. But it'll be David Cohen on Podcast 57. I'm really looking forward to that as well. 56. 56, yes. Yeah. We'll be back at 57. <laughs> I lost my mind. So what's going on on the uh, MyMac.com website? Well, uh, right below the listing of this for this podcast is a review I did of Phone Valet. Oh, the long-awaited Phone Valet review. Yeah, you know, it took me a lot longer than most reviews generally take me, but mm-hmm. I, I just I couldn't wrap my head around this review. It's just one of those things that occasionally happens to writers that yeah. you know where you want to go with the review, but I just couldn't get it to flow. Mm -hmm. And then the other day, it all finally clicked for me, and I just pounded out that review. Good deal. Uh, It's basically uh, phone messaging on your Macintosh. Mm -hmm. It combines software and hardware. Um, You plug your phone jack into this, and then this Mm -hmm. plugs into your Mac via USB. So if you've got an old Mac laying around, say you've got, I don't know, first-generation iMac sitting there, and you're doing nothing with it, Mm -hmm. you can turn that into a really, really nice phone messaging system. It can actually forward calls to other numbers for you. It can send you an email that someone left you a message, and it can actually attach that message to the email. Say you're going to be in vacation, mm-hmm. you got a Gmail account, it can actually forward the actual recording to you at your Gmail account. It's, wow. it's fantastic. It can support up to 11 separate mailboxes. So you can have, if you're Holy a small God. company, yeah. up to 11 people can have their own mailboxes. And then... It also works as, you know, you've called those places, press one if, press two mm-hmm. if, pre- it will do that for you. Um, it'll also give information only if you want it to. 
Say hmm. you have, if you like to know our store hours, press one. So you press one, and it'll just yeah. read. It won't actually take messages in that box. It's just for information. So it'll mm-hmm. read the store hours to a customer because the customer right. doesn't need to talk to anybody. They just don't know what your hours are, and boom, press one, and you get mm-hmm. that information, and you can just hang up. Um, it, it works great as a caller ID. It'll actually speak the name of the person calling you using the Max voice recognition really? software. Yeah, cool. and, uh, that, that's kind of neat. And I gave it a four out of five. Mm-hmm. It is quite pricey, but it is a very nice software. And they sent me the podcast. Uh, initially, I was mostly interested in this for our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it would be neat to be able to record telephone conversations. And I've talked about this in the past on the podcast that I have the crappiest software at home. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, crappiest phone lines at home. And just pretty much everything I record just doesn't sound very good. Mm-hmm. One of these days I'll have to hook it up over here, and maybe you've got better phone lines than I do, mm-hmm. and, and we can actually use that to uh, to talk to people. Sure. Speaking of talking to people, we were actually going to have a guest on today's show, but it didn't go through, so uh, we'll have to reschedule that. Yep. And uh, we will have, we do have somebody scheduled, Laurie, was it December 22nd? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, December 22nd, we're going to have Adam Carnabog. Uh, 20, 21st. 20, 21st, 22nd, whatever that yeah. Wednesday is. Uh, Adam Carnabog will actually be on the show. Adam has been, other than Russ Walkowicz, Adam's been at MyMac.com longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, uh, no, except for you. me. Yeah. But, you know, I am MyMac.com <laughs> technically because I own it and I started it back in 95. Um, and, and we're going to talk to Adam Chad's actually met Adam in person uh, twice. Wa- twice now, yeah. And uh, as Chad can attest, Adam knows all the deepest, darkest, and funniest secrets at MyMac.com. Yeah. So we'll definitely get into some stories and, and have a little fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get some more people on the on the podcast as well. Yep. I'm trying to convince Bakari to do it. Bakari's like, oh, I'm not really into it. Oh, yeah, we got to get Bakari on there. Speaking of Bakari, he has... The latest MyMac design for nine designers, and he looks at Rapid websites with Rapid Weaver, and it's a nice little review, um, mm-hmm. HTML type program, and of course uh, Donnie and his Maxpiration, the download drawer. Drawer. Yep. I drawer is one of those words that I can't seem to pronounce. Drawer. Well. Drawer. Yeah. Now, how do you say the other one? Drawers. Drawers. Draws. Draws. Drawer. Put, put up your drawers. <laughs> Yeah. Drawers. <laughs> drawers. So that's, you there pronounce you that the same way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've got quite a few. Um, Basically, Donnie has uh, three applications that you should probably consider downloading if you're going to do any sort of uh Yeah, nice, screen, stuff. nice screenshots to go yep. with it. So kind of give you an idea of what it looks like. And uh, I've already, oh, last podcast I was talking about Donnie's going to do a cartoons. Mm-hmm. That is going to de- debut this week. His first official cartoon of his new series. Cool. Donnie is the man. I'm telling you what. I'm so impressed he with is him. Busy. And I'm very impressed with uh, multimillionaire Bakari too. Yeah. Yep. He he said he got a kick out of that because <laughs> obviously he's not a multimillionaire, but that's that's where that's going to be his new tagline. Yeah. Multimillionaire Bakari. Um. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff up going on up at the uh, blogs. One I really enjoyed reading was Bakari's The Computer Divide about how his sister wants a computer, mm-hmm. but she's basically into the whole price thing, and she's kind of going towards the PC row, and yeah. she's just not listening to Bakari. What's wrong with you? Listen to you. <laughs> you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. Bakari, yeah. 
pause this Bakari, take this to your sister-in-law, and then start playing. Okay? Ready? Okay, we're going to start now. Bakari knows what he's talking about. You should listen to your brother. He has your best interest in mind. We know he's only your brother-in-law, but he really knows what he's talking about. After all, he has your sister to keep happy, and so if you're happy, your sister's happy, and he's happy. We also want you to know that we do not want you to buy a PC. PCs are evil. PCs are bad. Your brother-in-law has your best interest in mind. And he's not going to fix that damn PC once you break it. If you buy your Mac, he'll come over and help you fix it. He'll be pleased to come over and help you work on your computer. He'll be happy to show you new things to do with it. But if you buy a PC... You'll have to deal with their own support service and people who will be making fun of you behind your back over the cube while they're taking your service call. Listen to me. PCs suck. Buy a Mac. Listen to your brother-in-law. And that's the end of our public announcement today. <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome for that, Bakari. And I'm serious. Go play that for her. Uh, some of the other stuff. I, I'm asking, um, and it's been like 24 hours since I checked it, so let me check. I have a blog called Mac Games for Two-Year-Olds. Um, okay, someone did. Uh, someone else has a link to Nick Jr. Basically, I'm asking people to let me know. Do you know if any games are out there, preferably something I can download to the computer that I don't have to necessarily be online for, but that a two, two-and-a-half-year-old will actually mm-hmm. enjoy? Yeah. And there's a few, but, you know, Brooke's still learning what the mouse does. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell her to grab the mouse, and she starts looking around looking for an, an actual mouse. Or she'll go grab her mini mouse doll. And mouse? mouse? Yes, that's mouse. This thing that you mm-hmm. use, because <laughs> no one could come up with a better name for the stupid pointing device, so they call it a mouse, just to confuse the hell out of newbies. <laughs> Do you have a mouse? I hope not. Uh, John Farr has a link to an interview that he was uh, a part of. He was hmm. the subject of an interview at AppleLinks.com, his old dig, so go check yeah. that out. John's actually going to do a couple uh, of podcasts for us as well, but they're cool. going to be completely not Mac-related. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, not everything has to do with the Mac, mm-hmm. but it'll be recorded and edited on a Mac, and that should be good enough. Yeah. He, he's such a character that I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with. Um, there are a couple Thanksgiving... Uh, uh, type of posts up there so if you're interested uh, go check those out and uh you know that's pretty much everything new going on at mymac.com at the moment can you think of anything that we've not touched on that we really probably should before we no, uh, i think we book out of uh, here we've hit everything we we're going to talk about today now uh, there was one email that i wanted to go into la 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 and i have to go to this window and do that uh, <clears throat> Tom Schmidt sent me an email, and he says, I like the MyMac.com podcast, except for one thing. Why is it an hour long? That's a long time, especially for those who may be listening at work. In fact, this podcast we're recording right now, as I'm speaking, is almost an hour and seven minutes. Wow. And uh, this is my response, and I'm sure some other people have Mm -hmm. the same question. It's not as if this is live. And you can pause it, and you can listen to the other half whenever, or simply parts of it. The reason it is an hour is because Chad and I enjoy doing it <laughs> and found that a half hour is just too short. And really, that's what it comes down to. That Oh, yeah. You know, for the first half of the podcast that we would do, they were a half hour. And then generally, they kind of started getting a little longer and to the point that uh, Chad and I are so comfortable doing them now that it's an hour just seems natural. In fact, if yeah. at, at, a, at the half hour point, 
a lot of times, and, and I don't know if I can speak for you on this, but I feel like I'm just really warming up. No, I agree totally. I think that's, you know, the first probably 15 to 20 minutes really is just warm up. Just warm up and trying to convey the information, the news yeah. out there and stuff like that, giving us a chance to comment. But as oh, and in all honesty, uh, what I do with the podcast is essentially I download it to my iPod, I listen to it on first my way half to work, and, yeah. which is a half hour drive, so half of it I listen to on my way to work and the other half I listen to on the way back home. Yeah. And and I think uh, that, that's the nice thing about podcasting uh, over and above terrestrial radio in that there's no schedule that you have to listen to it between 3 and 5 yeah. or you're going to miss it. Or, oh, man, they were talking about something I was very – and this happens to me when I listen to NPR. I'll jump yeah, on, like, too. Science Friday, and they'll talk about the segment they just had, and I'm like, oh, I would have loved to hear that. Or they're talking about the next segment, and I'm almost at the grocery store, so I know I'm going to miss it. And I'm like, no, oh, yeah. I'd really like to hear that. With a podcast – you hit pause, unpause, and you're right where you were. And yep. that's the great thing about podcasts. It's content you want on demand on your schedule. And you're that's bad. a great thing. I wish everything worked the way podcasts do. Wouldn't that be great mm-hmm. if banks were open and closed when you needed them to be open and closed? <laughs> you know, if if they had the Xbox 360 in stock when you wanted to buy it? Yeah. You know, um, but nothing else, not even television really unless you have a TiVo or a DVR box, is on demand when you want it, when you want to listen to it, at your convenience. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is, and I think it's a wonderful technology. That's why we're doing this, obviously. Yep. And um, if it is too long for you, I apologize. Um, don't listen to the whole thing. <laughs> no, seriously, if, if it's too long, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. Uh, I don't think we need to cater to a certain time frame. I think we need to cater to the type of content that we want to talk about. True. And if and if that's an hour, great. If it's a half hour, great. If we come in and do a show and it's only a half hour, that's there's nothing wrong with that. And there are times we've done shows that have been less than an hour. But. Sure. I mean they they jump around a quick. In fact, yeah. today's show is going to be one of the longest. Obviously, show fifty was the longest. That was a, yeah. like an hour and a half. And this show right now is an hour and ten minutes now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still have to go through actually nothing. This is, <laughs> this is just Tim's rant now. This is so. yeah. And and you know you, you don't have to listen to the whole hour, and that's the great thing about it. Yep. And in the future, we're going to have uh, probably some more product reviews that we're going to do during the podcast. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to do the video stuff that we talk about. We're going to have more guests on the show. We were right. going to start tonight. That just didn't work out. We'll probably have a guest on the next week's show, and we'll announce the guests as they come up. And it won't be. Um, just MyMac.com people, we're going to bring in a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would even like to uh, maybe bring in listeners occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I get email quite a bit. Um, yeah. If you would like to be on the podcast, even for maybe a five-minute segment, send me an email. Make sure you have a Skype uh, account, and mm-hmm. okay, we can bring you on the show. Yep. We, you know, We record the show between 6 and 8 Eastern Time on Wednesdays every week. So That's right. You know, if if you want to listen live, obviously you'd have to sit here next to Chennai as we record the show. <laughs> but if you want to join us on Skype, that's something that we can look at in the future as well. I think right. that would be fun. Uh, we'd ha- be happy to answer any questions. If you have a tech question about your Macintosh or your iPod and something's perplexing you, send us an email at tim at mymac.com. Or mymacpodcast at gmail.com. 
and uh, we'd be happy to talk about whatever the problem that you're having on the next show. Yep. And uh, we're definitely looking for some more feedback. I think the show works better when we get more feedback and we mm-hmm. can address questions or concerns right here on the show. Yeah, and we're always looking for ways to improve it and provide you with better content. So. And, and as long as uh, Bakari's sister-in-law buys a Mac, we'll be right here. Because if she doesn't buy a Mac, she buys a PC, I, I think it's over. Do you? No. <laughs> but I'll be very disappointed that Bakari actually let her buy the Mac after all that. Well, good luck with that, Bakari. Hopefully we were able to help with that. So, <laughs> And if you have a, a, a relative that's <clears throat> looking to buy a PC and you're a diehard Mac user and you're trying to convince them, just have them listen to this show. and uh, Or, honestly, for a couple hundred bucks, Chad, and I'd be more than happy to go and smack them upside the head a few times. <laughs> we'll get them to... I, I, I hate it when someone buys a PC after specifically seeking out your advice and you say oh don't buy a pc you're going to have spyware problems mm-hmm. malware problems viruses just get a mac you'll be much happier and they go and buy oh it's 3.99 on sale and then they call you like a week later do you know how to fix this you're like no i don't know yeah. how to fix it because it's a stupid pc and i'm not wasting my time yep i i go through that already Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast at our RSS feed at MyMac.com or by visiting the iTunes Music Store's podcast section. Please send all feedback to MyMacPodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the MyMac.com podcast.